Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. So excited to have you here on today's podcast. We're doing this series with Mainstay Medical. People experiencing chronic low back pain have historically had few options, pain medications, physical therapy, intensive surgery. They've come up with a new way to address it. And in this series, we're covering the reactivate therapy. And today I have the privilege of hosting Dr. Chris Gilligan on the podcast again. And just a quick intro on him. If you didn't hear our, our previous intro podcast with him, he's a pain medicine specialist at Brigham and Women's Hospital, who serves as the executive medical director of MGB Global Advisory senior medical director for Perry Procedural Services, the director of the Spine Service Line, and the chief of the Division of Pain Medicine. He's also an associate professor at Harvard Medical School. Dr. Gilligan, so glad you could be with us again. It's always great to see you. Thanks for having me back. Always a pleasure. So we were together a few months ago, uh, about six months ago, to discuss the three-year research on Reactivate. And now we're going to look at the five-year data. So can you, for the listeners, help give some context around the work that you've done here so that they get an understanding of what we're going to cover today? Sure. So we're looking at patients who, as you alluded to, patients who have severe, disabling, refractory, chronic low back pain. Just my back's killing me. It's interfering with my work. I home life, my exercise, et cetera. It hasn't responded to medications. It hasn't responded to physical therapy. I haven't had a surgery and there's no indication for a surgery. So where do we turn? And we know that many of those patients have inhibition of their multifidus muscle, which is the strongest stabilizing muscle in the lumbar spine. And so when we see that inhibition of the multifidus coupled with this severe low back pain, we, we implant a stimulator that helps patients to get that multifidus muscle firing again, helps them to restore their neuromuscular control of their spine and their functional spine stability. And then what we see is that for the, the great majority of those patients, they get great improvements in their pain, in their function, in their healthcare-related quality of life. Many of them, if they're on opioid medications, they're able to wean off of the medications. And now what we're seeing is that we're seeing those sort of outcomes through five years. And we're really excited about that because obviously for our patients, we need outcomes that are durable, successes that that aren't transient. And also, uh, to, to our knowledge, this is the first time that there have been five-year outcomes published in a prospective study of any kind of neurostimulator, spinal cord stimulators, or anything of that sort. So we're really excited to see the durability of the therapy and uh, to be producing outcomes that are longer than what we've seen up till now in the field. That's exciting. And just want to give you kudos for your dedication to this work in finding a new way, right, for a population that has struggled for a very long time. So let's get into it. We reviewed the three-year study, and folks, we'll link that up in the show notes, by the way, that, that podcast and the report, so you could see it. Today, we're reviewing five years, so we'd love to compare, contrast, and share some of those results with, uh, with our audience. So what we're seeing is the patient's pain scores starting at 7.2, that's severe pain. After five years of stimulation, they're down at 2.3. That's the many people will call anyone less than a 2.5 a low back pain remitter. So on average, our patients are low back pain remitters after five years of stimulation. In terms of function, we use something called the Oswestry Disability Index. And our patients started at 39 at baseline. That's right, we're moderate meets severe dis dis uh, disability. After five years of stimulation, on average, our patients are at 16.5. Anything less than 20 is minimal disability. So they're going from right at moderate to severe disability to minimal. When we look at 
healthcare-related quality, quality of life. We measure that with something called the EQ5D. And what we're seeing is after five years of stimulation, our patients are essentially an, uh, approaching a normal healthcare-related quality of life. So pain that's at the level of a low back pain remitter on average, disability that's minimal, and a healthcare-related quality of life that's really getting back pretty much to normal for their age group. And then finally, for the patients who are on opioids, what we're seeing is close to half of them voluntarily eliminate their opioids, just stop entirely. And then another something like close to a quarter of them reduce their opioids voluntarily. Wow, that right there is huge. I mean, all of it is huge. <laughs> the numbers are very compelling. I've had the chance, and folks, you've probably, if you're a follower of the podcast, you've had a chance to listen to some of the patient stories actually that we've done military families, gentlemen going back and doing an Ironman after this. This is crazy stuff that you've never heard about without surgery. And so the numbers don't lie. And all of this also probably has cost implications too, right, Dr. Gilligan? We think it does, because if we can achieve these sort of successes for patients, they don't need to go looking for a surgery, a fusion surgery or something of that sort. They don't need to keep going for you know, repeated injections or radiofrequency ablations, other pain procedures. They often can, as we mentioned, can cut up medications. They're doing this well. They don't need to be getting repeat MRI scans, et cetera. And then also a big piece where people are getting so much, such better function that we're seeing many of our patients going back to work. So we're not missing work. If they were having to miss work due to their low back pain, we found that after two years of stimulation, for example, the number of patients who need to miss work due to their low back pain is reduced dramatically. And then finally, there's something called presenteeism, which is that you're at work, but your condition makes it so you can't do your job the way you should, the way you want to, can't do it normally. And we see really dramatic improvements also in presenteeism, where patients go from, well, I'm at work, but I can't really do my job right. To, I'm at work and I can do my job with no restrictions or minimal restrictions. And we and obviously there are big economic implications to that. Yeah, that's huge. So let's dig into the patient population. Can you share a little bit more about the demographics of the patient population in the study? Yes. On average, they were 47 years old. They had had 14 years of low back pain. And in the prior year, they had back pain on 97% of the days. All of them had been to physical therapy. On average, they tried 31 sessions of physical therapy. All of them had tried medications for their pain. About 37% of them were on opioids at baseline. And just over half of them had tried different pain interventions, steroid injections, radiofrequency, ablations, et cetera. Now, none of our patients had had spine surgeries. In our trial, we wanted to really focus on patients who had non-surgical low back pain. And we did exclude patients who had more leg pain than back pain because we wanted predominantly back pain. We wanted patients who had what we call nociceptive pain, just that, that aching pain. And we made sure that patients did not have an indication for surgery. So we had all of the images from the patients and their forms with their physical exam findings, et cetera, reviewed by a spine surgeon to make sure they didn't have an indication for a surgery. Other things that we saw in our patients, 70% of them had advanced disc degeneration. 70% had degeneration of the facet joints in their spine. 30% had inflammation of their uh, vertebral body end plates, so that's something called modic changes. And 18% had something called a grade one stable spondylolisthesis, a little displacement of their spine. My point there is folks had multi-level degenerative changes and severe disabling low back pain, but they didn't have an indication for surgery. So the question was, what, what could help them? 
And fortunately, what we're seeing is that for a large number of patients, this therapy can be very, very helpful. And that's been very gratifying for our patients and for us. Yeah. And our series is really focused on treating the source, the cause, not the symptoms. And so on that topic, this degeneration that we're seeing, the cause is believed to be that multifidus, right? It goes back to the stability and the strength of the multifidus. That's correct. When patients, or even for that matter, animals get a painful disc injury, a painful physiotomy injury, it causes an inhibition of that multifidus muscle and a consequent loss of neuromuscular control and functional spine stability. And we think that's what leads to a vicious cycle of ongoing refractory chronic back pain. And you're exactly right. If this therapy is not covering up the pain, it's not stimulating sensory fibers to block pain signals, this is a disease-modifying therapy. It's Patients are just turning it on for 30 minutes twice a day, 30 minutes in bed before they get up, 30 minutes in bed before they go to sleep. And during that time, it's getting that multifidus muscle firing. So it really is trying to get to the source, the loss of neuromuscular control due to the multifidus muscle inhibition, rather than just covering up or being pale. Some of our other therapies in pain medicine, spinal cord simulators, et cetera, they can be very helpful for certain patients, usually ones with predominantly neuropathic pain, but they're working by covering up pain by stimulating sensory fibers. This is a disease-modifying therapy. Man, that's it's exciting to know that options like this exist. And the pathway for who this is for is also very clear. There's for the payers listening, what message would you give to them as they consider this novel approach to addressing a very common problem? So the first thing I would say is, remember, these patients had 14 years of refractory disabling chronic low back pain. And that's a common enough condition that we know that patients with symptoms like that don't spontaneously recover. After 14 years of disabling refractory chronic low back pain, you don't just wake up one morning and get better. Yeah. And what we've seen here is now for the first time in the field of neurostimulation, five-year outcomes. And what we're seeing is outcomes that are clinically profound, right? Severe pain going to low back pain remitter, moderate to severe disability going to minimal disability, healthcare-related uh, quality of life returning to normal, and half of the patients stopping opioids. And like you mentioned, quite frankly, right? And we're seeing improvements in uh, dramatically decreased absenteeism, dramatically improved presenteeism on the work front, and as you mentioned, we have several patients who have run Ironmans and marathons, et cetera, with the devices. So we're seeing dramatic outcomes for these patients. My message to payers would be, this is something that's really profound for the human beings in terms of the clinical improvements. It's profound economically in terms of decreased healthcare costs and decreased uh, indirect costs due to inability to work. And uh, this is really an opportunity to give patients a very safe and effective therapy where previously we really didn't have much for far too many of these patients. Thank you for that message and a great call out. And folks, just a reminder, in the show notes, we always link up the data as we will with this episode on the five-year. You'll also be able to see the three-year data in the show notes. And what about for other physicians, Dr. Gilligan, like that may know about this, may not know about this, like what message would you share with them? So that this is for the patient with refractory disabling, nociceptive chronic low back pain, who's failed physical therapy, failed medications, has some indications of multifidus muscle dysfunction, either on physical examination, things like the prone instability test or fatty infiltration on their MRI. And we talked a lot about the outcomes that this really on average is giving patients tremendous, tremendously meaningful improvements. And also that the safety that we've seen has overall been quite good. We've had zero lead migrations 
through five years. And lead migrations are typically one of the most common complications of spinal cord stimulators, dorsal ganglion stimulators, et cetera. I would say to physicians, this is something for a group of patients who often don't have many good other options. We're seeing great efficacy. We're seeing excellent safety. And I think it's important. It's important for the patients and for us that it is a disease-modifying restorative therapy rather than a palliative or symptomatic therapy. Well said. And why do you think that incidence of lead migrations has gone away? So the team at Mainstay, Jason Shiroff and multiple engineers at Mainstay, did a fantastic job of designing tines that deploy at the end of the lead, and they deploy on either side of the intertransversary muscle. And those tines have been very, very effective at anchoring the leads. And also together with that team, we devised a surgical technique that's very specific that helps to decrease lead fracture and lead vibration. That's fantastic. Well, for the physicians curious about it as well, we'll leave links for you to be able to get more information on the treatment, on the technology, and what it could do for your practice and your patients. Certainly a a big opportunity. Dr. Gilligan, always appreciate the time with you and the insights and the data that you bring to really payers, providers, and also patients. Anything you want to leave us with as we close today's interview? Just the, the, the one thing I'd say is, again, our knowledge, this is the first time that there's been a five-year outcomes prospectively collected and presented, soon to be published, et cetera, on a neurostimulation device. And we think that sort of long-term, durable outcomes data is really important for our patients and, and really important for the field. So we're very excited about it. Outstanding. Re- really appreciate it. We're excited about it too. Folks, get more information in the show notes or go to outcomesrocket.health slash reactivate with a number eight. All of it's there. Check it out. Dr. Gilligan, thank you so much for being with us. It's always great to see you. Thanks for having me. 